0: I'm used Mm -hmm. to having much nicer uh, fixtures, a much nicer throne to sit on. (laughs) Ah, ah. (laughs) 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 Dylan sort of rim shot there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name is Mike Aubrey calling from South Korea, and you're
0: listening to Beyond the Box. I'm Rayburn Johnson. And I'm Steve Sensenick. And this is Beyond the Box. Here's your invitation to explore life outside the box of institutional religion. This is a place where there are no walls to restrict our search for truth as we embrace the ambiguity of defining our life in Christ. So unbuckle your seatbelt, recline your chair, throw caution to the wind, and get ready for the
1: ride that is Beyond, Beyond the, the Box. It's time for another
0: Beyond the Bugs. B-T-B. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yes, it's your country DJ, DJ Ray and the Fresh Steve coming at you. <laughs> country DJ. You can spin oh, okay. your fancy rhymes. Oh, gee, this is, this is getting bad.
1: <laughs> we are in trouble already. This is what happens when you start recording after midnight.
0: Yes, you already get a little punchy. Yeah, and I don't even have an excuse. I, my my beverage is simply clear, refreshing water. Uh, I've got cream soda tonight. Ooh, I like your beverage better than mine. Virgil's microbrewery. This stuff is the best cream soda I've ever had. That sounds really good right now. You're it's making me kind of so jealous. All natural.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, bud. <laughs> I'll just sit here and drink my water and pretend. Okay. Get yourself over to Kroger when you get a chance and. Kroger. Oh, you, wait, you don't have a Kroger, Wait a minute.
0: Come on now. Somebody used to live in Boone. Don't I know. Be, don't be pulling thinking, out these fancy schmancy names on me.
1: I was thinking there was a Kroger there. Maybe Lowe's Food has it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lowe, Lowe's, Lowe's Food. That's usually where we go when we want the refined uh, yeah. <laughs> groceries. <laughs> the refined, the refined gro- groceries. <laughs> oh, There's people out there gosh. going, that's really sad. <laughs> it is. It is.
1: And you know what's so funny? Grocery stores are so regional that... Like you don't know when you talk about a grocery store, you don't even know if somebody knows what the heck you're talking yeah, about. you could be talking about an underwear outlet as far as they know. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Or when I say Lowe's groceries, people are going, "Lowe's is a hardware store. That's what are you right. talking Come about, on,
0: people? No, it's a grocery store in Boone." Speaking <laughs> of which, a, a little minor trivia that some of you won't know out there, but Lowe's <laughs> Hardware actually originated just a few miles down the road from my house. Did it really? Yeah, it's, it's a, it was in Wilkesboro. Did you know that it was in? I did, I thought it started in Charlotte, where l- it's based now. No, no it, it actually didn't. it was actually based. The whole operation was based based in Wilkesboro until about three years ago. No kidding! Yep. I did not know that. Yep. Wow, not something. Till about three years ago. Till about three years ago, they moved it two or three years ago down to Charlotte. They had a they had an office at Charlotte, but the main operation was in Wilkesboro until just. Within the last couple, three years, something like that. You know, that. I must have known that when I lived there, because it it, apparently it didn't move to Charlotte until after I left. How, how about quickly, that? how quickly we forget. I know. And we become you know, an Abingdon resident, and just that booze yeah. stuff just falls by the wayside. Yeah, and now <laughs> I'm not
1: even an Abingdon restaurant, or,
0: or restaurant. Yeah, I'm not even <laughs> an
1: Abingdon resident. We uh, we moved a few months ago, about uh, 10 miles down the road to Bristol. That's right, you're in Bristol now, that's right. I'm the Motor Speedway, if we have any NASCAR fans out there. I've never been to a NASCAR race, but I drive past the Speedway a lot. I've actually driven on the Speedway. They do a nice uh, Christmas light display each year.
0: They say that's the the world's fastest half mile. Uh-huh. Pretty crazy. I drive it pretty slowly, though. You know, it's kind of funny because
1: <laughs> when you do the uh, the Christmas light tour, most of it's outside the stadium. And you go down what they call Thunder Alley and all that. And uh, you drive through, and there's all these sponsored setups of Christmas lights. It's really quite nice. And it benefits some charity that I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, the admission price that you pay. But anyway, then the the last part of it, you actually drive down into the stadium and you get on the track and you do about a half lap. Yeah. But you're driving so slow. You're going, you know, five, ten miles an hour. And you don't realize when you watch those races how slanted that track is on the curves. Yes. Because of the physics of how fast they're going.
0: We did that. We we did that a few years ago. Went to the um, the Bristol Motor Speedway for the Christmas thing, and I remember like it was actually very freaky going around it that track. It cause is. Cause it's it feels almost like, scary. You're gonna, like flip. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> it, it's really weird. I've, they're they're not designed to drive at ten miles per no, hour. They really aren't. But it, it's quite an experience to drive on there. And then uh, in the center, the uh, what do they call that area in the center? Of the, the infield. The infield of the stadium, they set up this little Christmas village, and they've got carnival rides for the kids and cotton candy and all that fun stuff. But, uh, but anyway, that's where we are now. We're in Bristol. We're on the Virginia side of
0: the line. There. Bristol splits uh, the state line between Virginia and Tennessee. Yeah, you can straddle, and you can be in two places at one time. It's kind of the feeling of being, you know, omnipresent. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, where are you? Well, I'm what in Virginia or uh, No, Tennessee. I'm in Tennessee.
1: No, I'm in Virginia. Yeah, <laughs> State Street is the state boundary, and, and you drive down. If you're driving, uh, I guess it would be east maybe on State Street, you're in Tennessee. If you're driving on the other lane coming the other way, you're in Virginia. And it's weird because uh, Virginia and Tennessee have different cell phone laws.
0: Huh, and Tennessee,
1: In yeah, Tennessee, you can't touch your phone. You can't talk on the phone or anything while you're driving. And in Virginia, you can. You can do whatever you want with your phone while you're driving. And so I always have to remember if I'm one, driving one direction, I can't touch my phone. <laughs> if I'm coming the other way, I can use it. That's <laughs> funny. I did on know the that. same street. Yeah, it's kind of fun. That's wild. But uh, anyway, well, we didn't we didn't start a podcast to talk about geography or motor speedways or cell Don't phone. Don't know laws, much do about
0: geography. <laughs> oh boy. Boy it really it is, is after midnight isn't it It is yeah, yeah.
1: You know it's funny I was telling you before we started recording about You and I were talking about this software Piano modeling software that we're both fans of And uh, they just came out With a, with an extension That models orchestral chimes I was telling you about before we recorded And uh, I had the crazy idea Because they sound so realistic It kind of reminded me a little bit about the chimes In, in your house there on your clock oh, yeah. And I thought it would be fun to make up chimes that like didn't make any sense timing wise you know I <laughs> <laughs> just subtly slip them into the podcast and see if you know dwight or somebody out there who's paid attention you know see if they that, notice like wait a minute it awesome. was just 15 minutes after the hour five minutes ago and now it's three in the morning well i have i <laughs> have a confession
0: to make steve i have a confession to make you killed the clock when we started when we started recording the audiobook for michael Harden. Uh I was trying to find a place in my house that I could get quiet and, yeah that wouldn't work, you know, and, and everywhere I went, you know, there's something. So I thought, okay, the best place is my wife's office, but that stupid chiming (laughs) clock every 15 minutes is going to screw me up. So I went and pulled the batteries out of it and turned it around. And my wife came in the next day and she's like, what happened to the clock? Oh, no, the clock. Look, honey, it, it, it died. I will resuscitate <laughs> it at some future date, but for right now, consider it dead. <laughs> it is dead. So, people, oh, you will not gosh. be hearing the chimes in the background. Some of you are going to be completely discombobulated, disoriented. You're not going to even know how to process this podcast because there's no chimes in the background. They're going to think the entire
1: episode is less than 15 minutes long.
0: Yeah, we could go for three <laughs> hours, Steve, and people would be like, oh my gosh, that felt like 15 minutes. <laughs> it felt like 15 minutes? I never heard the chimes. It couldn't be more than 15 minutes. Oh, goodness. Well, every now and then, just for good measure, I'll just throw in a... ba 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 <laughs> <laughs> then I'll do the dun 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 Exactly dun, that's what dun, I was dun, dun, dun. Of course I don't do it in quite tune, so I, <laughs>
1: I'll get Dylan to slip in a recording there when he produces this episode. We'll find Speaking some of
0: which, to... an extra shout out to Dylan. He is doing yes, an sir. incredible job editing our podcast. People, let me just say that you can go online and thank Dylan for you actually even getting to hear the podcast in any semblance of of uh, yeah, any any kind of, I can't even think of a good word, any kind of alacrity. It's a, ooh, wow. That's the first word that came to mind. I can't think of another one. Any kind of, uh, anyway. Timeliness? Yes. If the podcast is at all timely. If we happen to be, if you happen to listen to it within the same month as we record it, <laughs> You can thank Dylan Cincinnati. You can thank <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Dylan, thanks for hopping uh, on board. But we're going to get we're going to be able to get these episodes out much faster to you guys, so you guys can yeah. give him a shout out online.
1: Yeah, it's great to have Dylan on board doing the production work for us now. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I do want to just give a little bit of heads up for this episode though, uh, Ray. For some reason, you and I mentioned this before we started recording. Our Skype connection seems to sort of. Hiccup every now and then. Um, so if there's ever an awkward law in the conversation, or it sounds, or maybe we talk over each other and don't realize we're doing it, uh, that's why we'll try to fix some of that in post if we can. But uh, just know that we're having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty. And no sooner did I say that than the call dropped. <laughs> Steve, it is oh, truly man. insane.
0: We talked for like an entire hour. Yeah. And then you said, well, you know, we've been having some troubles with it dropping. That's and right. it might drop. And literally, the call dropped right then. Dropped and right I thought, then. okay, I thought, here we go. Steve's making it funny. <laughs> and then lo and behold, it really dropped. I was like, oh, my gosh. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, maybe Steve's jinxing us or something with this whole qual- call-, call quality drop thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I hope I didn't think anything. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and get to our topic, Ray. Uh, maybe that was the internet's way of telling us we had burned
0: too long. The five-minute burn has gone over. It's gone over. <laughs> <laughs> Skype is holding us accountable. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh,
1: goodness. But uh, you and I were talking the other night online and uh, chatting on Facebook and uh you shared some thoughts with me that uh, we decided would would make a pretty good uh, launching pad for a trip down some rabbit trails.
0: Yeah, we definitely we we were we we probably chatted for like two and a half hours the other night off and on and. It's um, a
1: short conversation for us. Yeah, it
0: really is. <laughs> My wife was like, What time did you and Steve end up chatting until it was like eleven thirty? She's like, Why don't you just pick up the phone? I said, nah. I love chatting because I can do multiple <laughs> things while I'm doing it. That's right. That's right. Um but no, we we were talking about I think a lot of it is an extension of uh, a couple of episodes again when you and I talked about the law versus love and we started talking about freedom mm-hmm. and this idea. That we're really free not to be perfect, right. that we're free to follow our heart without the fear of missing it- mm-hmm. and and then you said something that just really resonated for me. we had um we i guess several years ago, I told you that I guess probably gosh, for at least nine or ten years eight nine ten years. Um, this scripture in Hebrews has just been mind-boggling to me. And Hebrews Mm -hmm. 9 and 10, where it talks about that under the old covenant, that nothing could take away sins, all the different Levitical sacrifices they did, that none of that stuff could take away sins. And Mm -hmm. the way that you knew that they were reminded of their sins over and over was because they kept sacrificing over and over. And if they could could get free from the consciousness of sins, then the Mm -hmm. sacrifices would cease. And then it goes into Hebrews 10, and it says that we've been made perfect through the sacrifice of Jesus once for all, mm-hmm. and then it goes on to say, therefore we should have no consciousness of sins. Yeah. And we talked several years ago about what the heck does that mean? Because yeah, I you're right. <laughs> we've been trying to unpack this for years, you and I, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. what the heck does this does this not having a consciousness of sins mean? And I yeah. think Steve, more and more, I'm coming to the conclusion that this particular topic is just like an onion. You know, you get, Mm -hmm. you get a few layers off and you think you're getting to the center and you realize, Oh my gosh, I've only just begun. Right. There's so much more to this, to this idea of no consciousness of sins. And when you tie that in with the idea that we're free to not be perfect, that we're free to miss Mm -hmm. it without Mm -hmm. fearing the consequences. And Mm -hmm. you tie that into not having a consciousness of Mm -hmm. sins. It's like, oh goodness! All of a sudden, you realize, yeah. I, like I almost do a, a thought experiment. I love Brad Jerzak's really, put, really put that uh, sentence indelibly in my mind about <laughs> doing thought experiments. It's just uh-huh. really because I, you stop and think, okay, what would that feel like to yeah. not have a consciousness of sins?
1: Yeah, and and the thing, the thing about that 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 really is important for us is. We have to give ourselves permission to, to take a step back from what we've always been taught, to take a step back from sort of the status quo of theology, and to say, you know, let, let's not assume that everything that we've learned was wrong, but let's ask the question, what if
0: things yeah. that we were
1: taught were wrong? Yeah. What, what if that was possible? And, and if, if we've got it wrong, then certainly we want to correct it. You know, we want to try to move in a direction that's going to get us closer to the truth. Yes, and so when we talk about this consciousness of sin, what really blows my mind about it is there is it as I see it now, a lot of teaching in the New Testament about how we should not be worried at all about sin. Yeah, sin should not occupy our thought process. Yeah, you know, here's something like because when you when you first said free to not be perfect, free to miss it. At first, I almost want to react negatively to that concept because I hear that as too similar to we're just a sinner saved by grace. You know what I mean? Sure. But here's the difference. It's not that we say, oh, okay, now I'm going to focus on all the ways that I miss it and I'm going to celebrate my freedom in that. Right. It's... I'm not going to worry about the potential to miss it because it doesn't matter. I've been
0: made perfect. And what if oh this,
1: Aha, this here we go. This might
0: sound awful scandalous <laughs> and it's scandalous even to me as I say it. But yep. once again, we're doing some thought experiments here. Uh-huh. What if what if the potential, not just not just we put aside, what if we miss it? But what if we ask the question? What if the potential to miss it is not even there? Is not there precisely? See, here's the thing that bothers me. Right, there are so many Christians today,
1: so many teachers, so many books, so many communities that focus on sin as part of their message. Yeah. Not, and I'm not talking about the message that we were sinners and therefore. There needed to be, you know, freedom from sin. I'm talking about now that we are set free from sin, people who still devote all of their energy to focusing on sin. Right. And one of the classic passages that everybody wants to run to in that subject is Romans 7. Yeah, yeah. Where Paul says... The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I do, because I'm doing the things I don't want to do, not doing the things I want to do, because I'm doing all the wrong things. <laughs> or something what did he that say effect.
0: again, Steve? <laughs>
1: just rewind it, because <laughs> I have no clue what I just said. But my problem with that passage, so to speak, is the fact that Romans 7 comes between Romans 6 and 8, and both 6 and 8 talk about freedom from all that. Mm-hmm. They talk about us being dead to sin and being set free to live a righteous life. They talk about how there's no condemnation for us. There's there's nothing in us. We've been given the freedom to live without sin. Yeah, that's right. So why do we want to focus on sin and make that the central part of our energy spending, so to speak, when we have all this freedom, like you said, to live in a way where we don't even have to worry about
0: messing it up because maybe we can't mess it up. That that's the thing, Steve. Is you know, even as we say that, it's scandalous. People go, "Well, of course you can yeah. mess up. Of course you will mess up." Here, here's the problem, though. Mm-mm. Over and over and over again, you know, we have we have. Christianity has been reduced to what I heard someone call one time and really identified with a sin management system.
1: Right, exactly. Christianity has
0: been yeah. has been reduced to yep. this system of rules and regulations that you abide by so that you can manage your sin problem. So that you And can, so that you hopefully sin less. Exactly. So you hopefully sin yep. less and that you sin less and less and less and less until you eventually die and are then made perfect.
1: Yeah, because we're always told we're not going to ever achieve that in this life. Right. But so you're here, always going to fail
0: in this life. But here's the deal. If it takes death to make me perfect, mm-hmm. then that means that God has to use something that goes against his will, and that is that scripture mm-hmm. calls his last enemy, mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. enemy that will be put in our foot, yep. it means that he has, to, he has to pull death out of the toolbox in order to perfect right. me. That seems really, really problematic. Oh, yeah. When you start looking at Hebrews 10 and it says that it was Jesus that made me mm-hmm. perfect, mm-hmm. and it was because of his sacrifice, once again, not the penal substitutionary sacrifice, but his right. laying down his, his uh, divinity, You know, the, the entire mm-hmm. incarnation, including mm-hmm. uh, and, and not just the cross,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that when we look at that and we say, okay, that's what made us perfect, then perfection is something that occurred before you and I were ever even born. Right. That we just simply get included into. And using that Romans passage you're talking about, it goes on to say that we should consider ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to Mm. God in Jesus Christ Mm. our Lord. Yeah. So if we consider it, it's, or, you know, some translations say, reckon well, I reckon that's a good idea that's, that's <laughs> that, that must that's have been a southern, southern translation. Oh, that was yeah. Romans was a must have been to the south of Rome, you know, yeah, but exactly Paul wrote that in South Rome, but yeah. you know it's like <laughs> it, it, he's basically saying you need to going back to that thought experiment language yeah. you need to visualize yourself being dead to sin, and that's the way you need to live your life there there's Precisely. one passage that actually says that um something about. I think John. I think John is saying. He says, "I write these things to you that you don't sin, uh-huh. but if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous." Yeah. Here's what's so funny about that: we have so focused on the uh-huh. second half of that of that sentence yep. that if we sin, and, and we've even changed the words to say when we sin, right, we have exactly. an advocate with the Father, as if it was a foregone conclusion that we're going to do it. Yeah. But yet the first half of that sentence, it's almost like it's almost like he's saying, uh, l- let me rephrase it. And, and, For instance, if I said to you, Steve, I'm going to come through the front door of your house, but if it's locked, I'm going to go through the back door. To me, what that's saying is, there's a 75 to 80% chance I'm going to walk through the front door of your house. Uh-huh. But on the off chance yeah. that your, door is, your front door is locked and you forget to let me in, I'm going to go around to the back door. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the same thing he's saying there. He's saying that, uh, he wrote those things to us so that we would be without sin. He's saying, mm-hmm. but on the off chance yeah, that you do something, yeah. even that's covered because you've got an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, not when yeah. you sin because you're going to do it multiple times every single day and you're going to miss it. Right. And you're going to screw up. No, it's right. on the off chance that you fall mm-hmm. into something. You can mm-hmm. even get that covered, but you probably won't. Yep. That's how yep. it seems to me.
1: Well, I agree with you, because, I, and see, to me, that fits so much the general tone of, of New Covenant teaching. Mm-hmm. That, you know, like you mentioned, death being the enemy of Christ, and it's the last enemy that's ever destroyed. The The fact that we consider death to be the final part of the process for our redemption totally reduces the cross to ineffective.
0: It really does.
1: It, it it show you know so when, when jesus you know or or Paul says about Jesus death he says now where where's your sting death yeah you know where where's your victory because death and the grave were overcome past tense it's done it's a done deal. they were overcome by Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection, so there's no longer any need now for us to overcome sin because it's already become overcome
0: for us. Exactly. It's a done deal. That, that's the And I thing. think that's
1: what Paul's talking about in Romans 6 and in Romans 8. I I will be the first to say I don't fully understand what he meant by Romans 7. Yeah, sure. But I'm pretty sure that I understand what he didn't mean. Because if he meant that we're slaves to
0: sin, then 6 and 8 make absolutely no sense. Why, why do we do that, Steve? Why do we take... These isolated passages in the middle of these treatises mm-hmm. that are going one particular direction. We yeah. take one small thought in the middle of a passage that's going downstream, and we all of a sudden yeah. turn it around to go upstream. It's like yeah. we take that one passage, and that overrides, you know, like that Romans 7. How the heck does Roman 7 override 5, 6, uh-huh. and 8?
1: Yeah, throw five in the mix where, again, we're left with this, you know, as in Adam all died, so in Christ so all may be made alive. Exactly. We have that same language in there that we had in 1 Corinthians 15. It's there. There's this arc of Paul's teaching that is all about victory. It's all about the work being done. It's all about living as a new creation. And like you said, we then focus on this one little passage in the middle that seems to indicate possibly... That Paul hadn't succeeded in overcoming; that he was continually defeated by sin, and we say that's our experience. Exactly, exactly. And we throw all the rest of it out. If we're going to explain stuff away like that, then first of all, we might as well stop claiming that Scripture is of any value to us, right? Because
0: we're throwing out more of it than we're keeping. Well, this this is the this is the problem with the whole chapter and verse thing. Is it's it's let us yes. do that. It's it it's has. given us the the um the right, we think, to take certain passages because they have a number beside them that separates them from the rest of them. We think we can lift it out of its context and all of a sudden that can be used as a trump card to trump other things within the same context.
1: I believe that would be called wrongly dividing the word I believe
0: it would be. (laughs) And the thing is, is if we could simply take out those chapters and verses and forget that Romans 7 is separate from 6 or 8 and look at it as one continuous thought, yeah. None of us, if we could do that, none of yeah. us would separate out seven without, ver- you know, chapter chapter eight, verse one. You know, yeah. thanks be to God who's the delivered exactly, me, you know?
1: exactly. That's that's my point, and thanks for refreshing my memory on what eight one said because that, that was the point. It's been a while since I've looked at that passage. We weren't really prepared to talk about sure, what was, sure six, seven, and eight tonight, but but that's precisely the point that I'm making. Is it even if seven illustrates some struggle. Eight still gives the answer to it exactly and it's been done thanks be to God who has given us the victory it's already ours exactly and so to focus on it 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 seems to me i I don't want to be too harsh about this but it's but at the same time I want to be it seems to me to really be a slap in the face of God yeah. Yeah. To say, I'm still controlled by sin, I'm still a sinner, I'm still going to fall. And all of our language and all of our focus is on that falling. Ray, do you remember years ago, you and I used to read a blog, and I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. It seems to me it was a sort of a Latin name, um, you know, like Marcos or something like that. Um, but anyway, he talked about riding a mountain bike.
0: Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. I know exactly what and you're
1: talking about. he said that if he focuses on that little stump on the path or that little knot of a tree root coming out of a path, that chances are he's going to hit that and fly off his bike and get injured. But if he focuses on staying on on the bike and riding past all that danger, that he's able to maneuver around it without any problem. Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I
0: know exactly what you're talking about. I, yeah. I'm paraphrasing it pretty badly,
1: but that was kind of the well, general that's actually system.
0: That's actually one of the rules of mountain biking is you your eye your body goes where your eyes go. Yeah,
1: so if you stare yeah. at
0: something, they tell you never stare at the roots in the trail because if you look at a root in the trail, your, your body, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much you think you're going to go around it, your body will automatically take that bike to that root. So you always have to keep yeah. your eyes on the trail where you want to go.
1: It's kind of like when you first learn to drive a car, and you're driving past an accident on the other side of the road, yeah. and you turn to look at it, and your hands instinctively pull the wheel that direction. Right, right. And, and it's very hard to train yourself to look to the side and not turn the wheel. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Because
1: it, we, we, we follow our vision. We follow what we set our eyes on. And Paul even uses that language. He says, if you set your eyes on things above then you won't fulfill the deeds of the flesh.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly. If right. our
1: focus, if our perspective is on the victory that we've been given and the fact that we no longer are controlled by sin and we no longer then have to worry about sin, now I think we get close to this concept of no consciousness of sin. Because what's consciousness? It's thinking about something. It's having it on your mind.
0: But if you think about it, the, the consciousness of sins goes so far beyond transgressions, you know, so Mm -hmm. far beyond transgressing a law to me, you know, fear is the exact opposite of faith. It's, you know, perfect love casts out fear. So you can't be walking in the perfect love of God, which is what we're called to and walking in fear simultaneously. And what ends up happening with these sin management systems and this, Mm -hmm. this, um, preaching and teaching and all this stuff that focuses on overcoming sin and uses fear, mm-hmm. the fear of judgment, the fear of failure, the fear of shame, yep. the fear of guilt, all this stuff yep. when it heaps that on, then what ends up happening mm-hmm. is you become bound in yes. the very thing that you're trying to get free of precisely so precisely. that you're so that you continually end up you know the the Paul said the strength of sin is the law. The mm-hmm. more you mm-hmm. focus on trying not to do something. You know yeah. it's just like when somebody says, you know, don't think of a pink elephant. Right. <laughs> you know, whatever you do, don't think of a pink elephant.
1: Everybody in our listening audience right now has a pink
0: elephant you, on their mind. You just totally you just totally yeah. screwed it up for people when you do that. Yep. And that's why we have to it's like you said we got to set our minds on things above.
1: Because that's like this as a is a performer
0: all the time because every time I walk out on stage
1: or in my theater work if I'm going in the pit to conduct a show or whatever, Every time I go into a performance, I have to fight this little voice inside me that says, "Steve, you suck. Yeah, you're terrible. You're gonna mess this up. You're gonna you're gonna fall flat on your face. People are gonna laugh at you. You know, it's why people have dreams of standing in front of groups of people and realize they're in their underwear. You know, what exactly. I mean, we have this innate fear of hum- as human beings of making fools of ourselves. You have to overcome that fear. I've got to train myself, and I'm working on this. To go out into a performance and say, I can do this. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've trained for it. I've worked hard for it. I know how to do it. It's something that comes naturally to me because of the talent that God's given me. I can do this. Yeah, that's right. And when I walk out there on stage with that attitude, first of all, it's so much easier to perform. And secondly... I don't worry about messing it up. Yeah, You know, a couple years ago, Ray, I guess it's been probably about maybe four years ago or so, I gave a recital at Appalachian State University. And uh, I was performing a Beethoven sonata that is one I learned when I was a kid. Um, It's always been a favorite of mine. And I decided to pull it out and brush it off or dust it off, you know, brush up. On it, whatever the phrase might be. <laughs> I, I tend to mix up metaphors and phrases. So we, you know, stitching time is worth two in the bush. Um, but people in glass houses should get dressed in the basement. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, here's this piece I love, and I'm performing in front of friends and peers and family, and I I start playing the you know first movement went great, second movement went great third movement, I get into it, and it's it's a rondo, which in uh, classical music is um, what we would call it A, B, A, C, A structure. I think I've got that right off the top of my head. Um, but it always keeps coming back to this main theme. Well, <laughs> I got partway into it, and I, I got tangled up. I, I just got lost in the midst of how many times that main theme repeats. And uh, I stopped and I, I went back a little bit, and I came to the same spot, and I stopped again. And boy, that voice was starting to get real oh, loud yeah. inside of me. And I, and I just thought, what do I do? Do I just get up and run off the stage and, in embarrassment? You know? And I turned to the audience, and I just kind of chuckled, and I said, you know, after a while, all the notes just seemed to flow together. <laughs> <laughs> they chuckled. I jumped ahead about ten measures to a spot that I knew I could pick up at. Finished the piece, stood up, took my bow, and walked off stage. It was fine. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about it, you know? And, you know, in the moment, sure, there was that that sense of, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm failing. But it didn't matter. Yeah, Nobody talks right. about, oh, man, remember that memory lapse you had in that recital? You know, I, it's not something that haunts me. Because I move on with my life. I go on with it. And I think if we could live our lives, like I'll give you a a good example of where this really plays out in the Christian world. Um, And this frustrates me to no end. And I'm going to just say openly, if anybody's listening to this who works for a publisher or who authors books or who teaches about this subject matter, please, please, please stop writing and publishing books about male lust.
0: Yes, thank you, Steve.
1: I am sick of that. And, Ray, you, you work at a bookstore. You know how full that shelf is. Surrounded.
0: That surrounded.
1: There are many, many books written about how men struggle with lust and men have these problems with sexual temptation and men have to deal with this battle all the time. And And let me be clear, I, I want to be as sensitive as I can to men in our audience who have dealt with this in their life. I want to be very sensitive to this. But please listen to where I'm coming from on this. The more you focus on that battle, the more you tell yourself this is part of who I am as a male, and this is really what it comes down to, it's identity, Ray. Yeah, that's right. The more you identify with that struggle, the more you doom yourself to stay stuck in it. Yeah, that's good. The more we keep publishing books about this stuff, the more we just hammer home That guys are going to continue to sin. Why can't we write books telling guys? You're free from lust. You're free from pornography. You're free from cheating on your wife. You're free from sexual thoughts and temptation. Because you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to beat yourself up and say, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, because you've been set free from that. Why aren't we publishing books about that? Why aren't we preaching sermons about that? Why aren't we giving people good news instead of throwing this junk in their
0: face and telling them, this is who you are, you dirty, rotten worm, you? Because we don't believe Jesus really made a difference. No, we don't. At the end of the day. I mean, that's really what it comes that's, down to. That's we what it comes down to. That human effort trumps grace. Yeah, We still believe that God's unconditional love at the end of the day, it's really not unconditional. It really is based on my performance. It really, you know, it's, yeah. it's like a um, one of our listeners I, I was, I was messaging back and forth a little bit with and. And we were talking about, I was I was telling him how I remember when I was beginning to get a hold of the idea of the unconditional love of God, mm-hmm. was beginning to get a hold of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember just hungering and thirsting for someone, somebody, whether mm-hmm. in a sermon or in a book or anywhere I could find it, someone to really assure me that God's love truly was unconditional. Because here's what I would always right. hear. I would always hear in a sermon or book or radio broadcast or whatever, it was always God loves you no matter what, and then by the end of the program, there were, a butt would always show up somewhere. They'd stick their nasty, <laughs> yeah. greasy butt right in the middle of the sermon, and it would be like, "But that doesn't mean that da 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 that you can sin without consequence, or that you can, you know, and all this stuff." And what right. they didn't realize they were doing—they were trying to help. They were trying yeah. to—they were trying yeah. to say we're not giving you a license to sin. You right. know, they were trying to—they were trying to be wise or whatever. But what mm-hmm. they didn't end up—what they didn't realize—they were ending up doing was that they were totally undermining the idea undermining. that God's love was really unconditional and that His grace really was all pervasive. Yeah, it was yeah. like there was a limit. It's like, well, He loves you no matter what, unless you reject Him throughout your life, in which case He will douse you with gasoline and set you on fire for eternity. Yeah, While he separates himself somehow an omnipresent
1: person, yeah. <laughs>
0: and some, somehow he'll find a place in the universe where he's not, yeah. and he'll throw you there. Yeah. It's like we always, we, we need people who will stick their neck out there and mm-hmm. say, this is the way it is no matter what. Right. God loves you no, matter, no what. matter what. It doesn't matter if you do screw up a billion times. So get over it. Mm-hmm. You don't need a management system to come tell you how to do it because if you're going to get a hold of his love, that's, his love will burn the stuff off. And see, this goes along so much with what we were just talking about in our last, the
1: last episode you and I did together about law versus love. Like you said, sin management system, that's law. Yes, exactly. Telling people how to sin less is law. Telling them that they are sinless is love. Yes, exactly. Telling people that they no longer have to live in any form of fear about the possibility of sinning. Yes. And I really believe, Ray, you know, there's a lot of resistance among Christians. You know, like we talked about, you're going to continue to to deal with this until you die, right? Is the is the teaching? That's what we're always told. You know, nobody ever wins this victory in their lifetime. So somehow, you know, failure is not only an option; it's a requirement. Um, I, so I know there's a lot of resistance to this notion, but I have to take the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of Scripture at face value and say, it is not only possible to live a life without sin. It is what we are equipped to do and called to do, and called to do. Jesus said, "Be perfect as your holy Father is perfect, or as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be holy as He is holy." I, I used to look at that and go, well, "Why would Jesus give us a command that we couldn't fulfill?"
0: Exactly.
1: Why would He tell he us wouldn't. to be perfect if we couldn't be perfect?
0: He wouldn't.
1: No, that would that would. I mean, that's like me telling my five-year-old, get out there and drive the car down the interstate and don't get in a wreck. Right. <laughs> I mean, she's not in any way equipped to do that. But if I tell her to do something and I give her the capability to do it, or here's the analogy, if I say, Hannah, I want you to travel from here to Abingdon, get on the interstate, go from exit 7 all the way up to 17 and get off, and then I put her in our car seat and I hop in the driver's seat and I drive, She's going to get there, right,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: she's going to be able to do exactly what I told her to do because I'm making it possible for her to do it. The, here's and the I think ironic that's exactly thing, Steve, what Jesus
0: did is we really can't we really can't get to where you and I are talking about until we realize that we have the freedom to not get there and still be loved. yeah, we can't we somebody needs to give us permission to live messy lives to be completely free, to be messy, yeah. to, to have all the hang ups, to have all the screw ups and still be completely loved. Because it's mm-hmm. only, it's only when we get to that point that we can even begin to walk the road that you and I are talking about. Right. But the thing is, is as long as we're telling people, you need to change this, you need to change yep. that, you need to fix this, then really what they're hearing is God loves you Mm-hmm. But he's really going to like you if you get this part of your life cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, God God really likes you, but wouldn't you want him to be proud of you? Right. I mean, it's those kind of innuendos. Yeah. It's like we, yeah. use, we use the language that says, well, God loves you unconditionally, but then we throw in all this other stuff that makes it sound mm-hmm. like you can improve upon his love if you'll simply do, you know, A, B, and C. Yeah. But I, we need somebody to come along and say... Mm-hmm. God loves you, period, end of story. Now go live. Go live in light of that love because when you begin to do that, when and I think this maybe this is part of what that whole idea of the consciousness of sins falling off is all about, that you're not conscious of sins because it's no longer an issue.
1: Right, exactly. It's no
0: longer anything that separates you from the Father. It's no longer anything you need to even focus on because if you yep. do something, it's not a matter of, you know, getting on the floor and slinging snot on the carpet and crying and wailing out to God, it's a thing of, oh, yeah, That I'm not going to do that next time. Yeah. That's repentance. The end, boom, you're done. Yeah. Because exactly. you've already got forgiveness. He's already yeah. forgiven you. You're forgiven. Yeah. You're forgiven. You know, somebody was talking about that recently.
1: I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this in the past, Ray, or if I read this somewhere, but somebody was saying that the, even the whole notion of us asking God forgiveness misses the point.
0: Mm hmm.
1: That for us to go to God and say, please forgive me because I've sinned. Mm. There was a great song. Um, Do you remember the artist Morgan Cryer? I remember the name. Do you remember that name? He was was a Christian contemporary singer back in the 80s. And I'm pretty sure I have the artist right on this. He did a song called What Sin? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember all the lyrics, but the gist of it was somebody coming to God and saying, I've, I've goofed, I've messed up, please forgive me for the sin that I've committed. And God said, what sin? Mm. That was already taken care of. Wow. Wow. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have toward our own sin. Mm. Is, what sin? Now, you know, Paul says... Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. Right. But I don't even think in saying that that Paul was trying to then say, stop sinning. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. (laughs) He was just saying, don't even think about sin. Don't even worry about, should I sin? Should I not sin? Can I sin? Can I not sin? What happens if I sin? Just stop asking the question. Just go. Like you said, live. Right. That's exactly what Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery. He says, where are the people that judge you? She says, "I don't know." He says, "Well, I don't judge you either. Go and sin no more." Does mm. mm. it? End of story. Period. He didn't stone her. Yeah. Period. He didn't stone her according to the law because he didn't see the law as binding in that. He he wasn't living by the law. Mm. Now I I understand there's you know there are passages that that have to be wrestled through about sure. Jesus saying he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what you and I are trying to do, Ray, is say, "What? let's take a step back. Let's look at the big arc here. I don't mean Noah's arc. I mean the <laughs> ARC, the, the, the big overarching storyline. What's going on here? And if this is all about freedom from sin and freedom from living by law, and we're living now by love and by grace, that changes our entire perspective. Like Paul said, I would not know what sin was if the law didn't tell me what sin was. Right there was no consciousness of sin prior to the law
0: but then the law comes along and says don't
1: steal and suddenly i realize oh stealing i hadn't thought about that
0: it's like the law well you know paul said the strength of sin is the law is the law it, yeah. it, it awakens the potential for sin within you if i tell and i see this with my daughter so clearly mm. if i say don't do XYZ. You might as well have just said, You need to go do XY and Z. Exactly. You see her face light up like oh that must be thought about that one, Daddy. (laughs) Yeah, let's give that a try. You know? It's the forbidden fruit syndrome.
1: Right. And and I boy, I'm I'm having to give myself freedom to mess up a lot in this parenting thing because I keep finding myself saying, Don't 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 that's not that's not even the message I want to send to her. I wanna say, You know what, darling? I love you and I want you to have the best life that you've been created to have. And so here's what you can do to bring yourself joy and to bring joy to those around you. Let's go do that. Let's go live life like that.
0: That's it, man. And
1: and that's, it's not the words we say, Ray, it's what we live in front of them.
0: That's it, man. You
1: know, it's how we model that. Well,
0: I'm, I'm realizing more and more like with my boys, I'll find myself so many times Slipping into those old patterns of, oh, yeah. you know, uh, wanting to just say no and wanting to, wanting to give a firm look and show your seriousness for something, and yep. you know, just realizing, gosh, is that is that who the father is? Because if that's not mm-hmm. who he is, then I mm-hmm. don't want to manifest that to anybody else. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, wanna, exactly. Because exactly. when we when we begin to when we begin to use shame and guilt and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Then really, I I don't, you know, I don't think that's any kind of manifestation of God. I mean, if it's right, if it's the accuser of the brethren mm-hmm. that's against God, mm-hmm. then I don't want to be that accuser. Yeah. I want to be right. the one that's the empower. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the Holy Spirit is, says that, that he, um, he comforts us and he helps us and he's our advocate mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's what I want to be. I'm like, if that's who the Holy Spirit yeah. is, that's who I'm also called to be in him. Yeah. So I want to be that person that empowers people,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: helps them, that doesn't yeah. point at them and say, gosh, you need to go back to square one and you need to figure this thing out and you need to do some repenting. And no, 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 right. no. I want to be the person that empowers them and says, look, yeah. you, you are enough. Yeah, You have enough. God's love. He, yeah. he is not going to love you anymore. And I don't want to just mm-hmm. say this in principle. I want this to, in reality. In reality, exactly. He's not going to love you or be any more proud of you than he is right now. Yep. When it's all said and done, you will not have added one iota to his love for you.
1: See that boy, what you just said there is huge ray because we think that we can make God love us more. Right. Right. And yet, you know, scripture says
0: he loved us when we were his enemy. Yes. And Before gave us we, and gave us his son. Yeah. What more could he give? I mean, he gave us right, his son exactly. while we were his enemy.
1: While we were his enemy. So we love him because he first loved us. He doesn't love us
0: because we're good for him. Exactly. Exactly.
1: It's the the other way around. We love in response to the unconditional loving of your enemies that he demonstrated to us. Yes. Because we were his enemies, he loved us. We, therefore, should love our enemies. Exactly. We, therefore, should love each other. We should love him. It's all... it, It makes so much sense... And, you know, Ray, I saw a beautiful example of this last night. And uh, you and I are both pretty emotional guys when it comes to our kids. I I doubt I can tell this story without getting choked up. Mm. But my my daughter, and, and, you know, most of you listeners know, we adopted Hannah when she was, uh, she came to live with us about a year and a half old. And uh, her adoption was final on her second birthday. So she's been with us now for, we're getting close to four years. Oh uh, it'll be four years next month actually that wow. she's been with us and her family. Hard to believe Man, that. That's what my fast, that's <laughs> yeah, my fast. It, has. <laughs> it has. Um she still struggles with with things that I, I'm sure are related to you know, her early childhood traumas. Um, she seems to still struggle in understanding that we unconditionally love her, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that manifests in ways that only a toddler can manifest it. And last night there was a situation. She was tired. Uh, We both knew she was tired. She didn't want to admit she was tired. When I say we both, I mean, Christy and I, and, you know, we said, Hannah, you're, you're tired. You just, you know, give it up. (laughs) And, uh, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. Well, she ended up not getting something that she wanted. And she just began screaming at us at the top of her lungs, mm. literally. Wow. And we live in a townhouse. I'm thinking, what are the neighbors going to think? You know? <laughs> uh, but she, she's screaming at us, and she's calling us names. And just, I mean, over and over and over again. Wow. My instinct, Ray, as a human being was to shut myself off. Yeah. My instinct was, hey, boy, I'm... I'm clearing out of this. You've hurt you know? me,
0: and now I'm going to show you right. how how hurt I really am. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I was tempted to withhold my love, and you know here she was, three feet away from me, if that, screaming, just screaming in anguish, at, at her, you know, her own anger being expressed. And something inside of me said, "Hold her." Wow. I. <laughs> I didn't know how to do it in my own strength. But honestly, before I had a chance to question it, I just reached out and I pulled her to me. And I, as soon as I touched her, Ray, mm-hmm. the screaming stopped. Mm-hmm. She just collapsed in my arms. Wow, man. And it, over and over again, I just kept saying, I love you. I love you. Wow, I love you. Wow. Wow. Man. And I felt her just rest in that. Mm. And I thought, this is what God does for
0: us. Yes.
1: And I even told her, I said, it doesn't matter how much you scream at me. It doesn't matter what names you call me. I will always love you. She wasn't decreasing my love by her actions. And
0: by changing her actions, she didn't increase my love. As a matter of fact, she actually pulled out of you the manifestation of your love. Yeah. By that action.
1: And I thought that's exactly what we did to God. We screamed at him. We yelled at him. We called him names. We nailed him to a cross. Mm. And he says, I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. Man, when you get a hold of that... When you see that as a manifestation of who he is and that he hasn't changed that, that has never changed about him. yeah, when we get a hold of that, Steve, then the sin, the all, all the stuff that we think about that we somehow think yeah. separates us. Yeah, it just melts away. Th- th- yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of like you're talking about with Hannah when she's screaming at you and not not that I could be any kind of therapist or anything but, <laughs> but it sure seems like probably what she's You're trying to, to do you listening to Dr. Ray yeah, on the Oprah channel just, <laughs> yes exactly catch Ray on own at 9 p.m. every Monday evening but you know it's like it's like when she's doing that it sure seems like what she's trying to do is to test yeah. the boundaries to test yeah. the measure of your love to test you know, do you really mean what you say? Are you yep. gonna Whether, love me when we're playing Candyland? Yep. Or are you gonna <laughs> love me when I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and spitting at you? And I agree with you completely. Whether or not her five year
1: old mind even can process Right, exactly. That,
0: it's subconscious. It
1: is, yeah, it's subconscious. But I absolutely agree
0: with you. It feels like she's just testing that boundary. And if you think about that, if if in that moment you as a human father mm-hmm. had that reaction and mm-hmm. elicited that kind of response from her. Mm-hmm. How much more, like Romans says over and over again, yeah. Romans 5, how much more uh-huh. does the father yeah. want to do the same thing? So that if you think about it, it's like with Hannah. When, when she gets your love reaction when she's at her absolute worst, mm-hmm. that assures her that there's nothing that can separate her from your love. Right. That assures her that when she has a problem, she can come to you, not run away from you.
1: Exactly. That
0: dad's going to love me even when I'm an absolute jerk to him.
1: Yeah, so she doesn't have any fear of screwing up then. So
0: she doesn't... That is exactly what I was getting at. She has absolutely no fear when she screws up because yeah. you're not her problem, you're her answer. Right. And that's and how many, exactly... How many kids have messed up and said, I can never tell my parents about this? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Oh my gosh. What What have we created? So they
0: go, they go to a friend, a peer who they believe won't judge them. That's who they pour their heart out to is a peer that won't judge them. Over and over again, I've watched documentaries on TV about um, people that that have come out of the closet and said, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for years, they don't tell their parents. They don't tell their siblings. They go off and tell a group of friends at school or somebody they meet on the Internet, and they always do it because they fear judgment. Yep. And so they tell a complete stranger these intimate details of their life, Mm -hmm. someone who could be laying in wait to simply take advantage of them. They tell them these super intimate details and Mm -hmm. completely omit that information from any interaction they have with the people who supposedly love them the most. Mm -hmm. And it's years before they reveal this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, what if those people got the treatment you gave Hannah all throughout their childhood? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know one time, um, I think it was D.L. Moody who said that, you know, the world's yet to see what a what what uh, God can do with a man completely surrendered to Him. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to say this: I wonder if the world's yet to see what a person can do who has received nothing but love throughout their life. Oh wow! Someone that has truly been unconditionally loved and yeah. knows it. Yeah. I tell you, if if we really got a hold of this, Steve, mm-hmm. sin completely loses mm-hmm. any kind of power. Yep. And yep. I, and even as we've been talking, I've been trying to rack my brain thinking about a New Testament passage that tells us to ask for forgiveness. Hmm. I can't think of a single one. The closest I can come is First John one nine that says, "If we confess if our we sins, yeah. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." But yeah. It's basically saying if we just own up to it, that, right. that we'll be cleansed from the junk. And we don't have to ask for that cleansing.
1: See, right. that's the the
0: trick right there. Is We turn that into, I need to ask God. Here's a formula me. that I need to, in order, if I want forgiveness, yep. I have to give this to God first.
1: And if we if we ask someone for something, there's a almost a, a subtle assumption that they might not give it.
0: For years, Steve, this bothered me right here. <laughs> literally for years it bothered me to think that i would go to all of these different sermons and seminars and conferences and lo and behold someone would talk about forgiveness and they would talk about how no matter what someone's done to you you mm-hmm. need to forgive them mm-hmm. and they might they might be someone that raped you or they might mm-hmm. be someone that abused you as a child you need to forgive them sure mm-hmm. you can't talk to them you can't but you need to let it go and you need to forgive them and what used to bother the crap out of me, even when I was <laughs> steeped in conservative evangelicalism, mm-hmm. I used to think to myself, "Why is it that I have to ask God to forgive me, and God won't forgive unless you ask him unless you ask right, but I have to forgive the jerk that will would never ask me for forgiveness. Uh-huh, uh-huh. all of a sudden, I become a bigger man than god,
1: yeah well and and the same when you talk about eternal conscious torment. In hell,
0: right? Why? Why does God tell us to forgive our enemies? Right. And He's but not. But He doing it. burns His enemies. Exactly. To forgive our enemies who don't even ask for it. Right. And all of a sudden, but God won't do the same thing. No. Jesus says, here, "Here's here's the thing that I'm realizing more and more. Mm-hmm. The the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus mm-hmm. basically he, he the revelation that Jesus brings is not that God loves you. It's not mm-hmm. at all that God loves you. Because they knew that they said, because, because I mean, the Pharisees were like, "Of course, God loves us. Mm-hmm. We're His boys. We're His posse. We're His group. You know, we, You're right. We we're right. We're the chosen stuff. ones. Yeah, we're yeah. the chosen <laughs> ones. Of course, He loves us." <laughs> yep. The scandalous thing was that He loved enemies, because yeah. Jesus comes along and this is what He says. He says, "Here's how you'll be sons of your Father who's in heaven mm. if you love your enemy." If you do good mm. to those who persecute you, if you pray for those who despitefully mm. use you, if you turn yep. the other cheek when they slap you, if you carry the pack the extra mile, yep. if you do those things, because he says, in doing so, you'll be like your father because your father also does that. He causes his son to rise on the just and the unjust, makes his rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. And you're talking about an agrarian society Ooh, wow. where yeah. they, you know, these people, rain is like the best thing that you could ever have, right. because that means you're actually going to eat this, this winter, yeah. you know, sun is the best thing you can have because that means you're actually going to have crops. They're going to grow. They're going to grow. Yeah. So he's in that, in that society, he's basically saying your father gives the best gifts to those who even don't acknowledge him to those who are his enemies. So much so that Paul, like you quoted earlier, goes on in Romans 5 to say that even when you were his enemies, he gave you his absolute best gift, his own son. Mm -hmm. And he forgave you all your trespasses, Colossians forgave you all your trespasses, having blotted out the the law of ordinance or the law that was written against you. He blotted it all out, took it out of the way so that no more could any accusation be made against you.
1: See how much clearer could it be? Right? It's all
0: over the New Testament. <laughs> I know this
1: is the part that baffles me. Is it's all over the New Testament, and we ignore all of that and jump to, but you're a sinner, right? And it, you know, I said earlier, it comes down to identity. This is such a big thing for me in my life right now, and, and a sort of a pet soapbox that I have, and you guys have heard it already on the podcast before. But what again? What you set your mind on, that's the thing you're going to fulfill. So if you are telling yourself, I am X, Y, Z, that's what you're going to be. Right, right. So if you say, I am a sinner, you're going to be a sinner. Right. If you say, I am righteous, you're going to be righteous. Yes. Now, the good news is, even if you tell yourself a sinner, God still sees you as righteous. Tell yourself that you're a sinner, God still sees you as righteous. but. In terms of what we experience in our life and what we live out and how much benefit we get from our position in Christ, so to speak, in this lifetime, a lot of it has to do with what we identify ourselves
0: with. That's right. And that's
1: why you know Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah. He identified himself as Christ.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: He identified himself as as the living Christ. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, he was able to live the life that he did. If I identify myself as Steve, who I know what Steve's done in the past, I know what Steve's capable of doing, and I don't mean that in a good way, then I'm going to continue to live up to or down to that identity. But if I identify myself as christ yeah yeah and i and i think again this goes along it so much of what we talk about on this podcast is intertwined this you know we we experienced ray and a lot of our listeners have experienced this too you come out of the institutional church or you come out of religion you you take a step back you begin to question one thing and suddenly you realize this whole house of cards the whole edifice
0: comes tumbling
1: down the whole thing comes tumbling down what we are doing now is building a new building. Yeah. Hopefully not with flimsy cards, but it's all interrelated. It's it all builds on each other. Yes. And so all of these themes that we keep talking about, you know, that's why we keep beating the same drums over and over again on this podcast. It's it all ties together and what we believe about who we are in Christ makes all the difference. And when Peter talks about being partakers of the divine nature, it's because We literally become partakers of the divine nature. It becomes in us. It becomes us. We become it. And we live as anointed ones of
0: God. We live as Christ. His DNA flows through us. His spiritual DNA is in us. And when we get a hold of that, Steve. I mean, as Paul says, a new creation. Yes, exactly. Everything old, everything old has passed away. Everything is new. It's all new. We're the first fruits of the new creation, which, which really, um, to me, one of the things with this whole identity conversation is that you are enough Mm -hmm. because I tell you, Steve, it's like you're talking about with piano and stuff. Um, and, and when you get ready to, to get on stage Mm -hmm. and and how, you know, there's this fear (laughs) so many times that comes over you, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I, I shouldn't be up here. And, you know, it's like I I have that in so many areas of my life so many times Mm -hmm. that for years, Steve, in so many areas I have experienced. I've suffered from paralysis by analysis. Yeah. It's like I I can't do it perfect, so I'm not going to do it at all. Right. I can't do it just right. Or or even let's go another step. I can't do it as good as fill in the blank. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it at all. And it's even like with this podcast. You know, it has been intimidating sometimes for me. Mm-hmm. and several of the people i've interviewed and i i've told them this mm-hmm. said you know here here they have doctorates and you know they i mean like you know you look at you look at the the stuff that they read for a break and it equals what i read in a year you know sometimes right. and you know and it's like you know and by break you mean their lunch break yeah their <laughs> lunch break exactly <laughs> and it's like you know you can you can get I, i've become so intimidated sometimes yeah. like what am i doing talking theology with these people Right. I'm not qualified to do this. Right, and then that voice uh-huh. you have on the inside of you says you are qualified. Yeah, I've made you qualified. Mm-hmm. Degrees and papers and letters and all mm-hmm. that stuff—it's all great and it's useful and all that good sure. stuff. But sure. the one who qualifies us is the Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, in talking to some of these people, like I remember talking to Sharon Baker one night, um, mm-hmm. and she was just so encouraging. Saying, you know what? Because you don't have a piece of paper doesn't mean anything. You, she, she was talking about. She was saying, you know, you've, you've done so much self study that you've kind of earned your own doctorate on your own, or whatever. Right, right. You know, and it's like that's the kind of stuff I think the Father's saying. Yeah, he's saying you are qualified. It's like you know, here lately I've begun to post some of my music on YouTube. Which, by the way, I, I have to
1: interrupt you, Ray. If you guys have not listened to Ray's music on YouTube, you need to go listen to it. Ray, what's your
0: username on there?
1: Is it Rayburn Uh, Music? Rayburn Music, yeah. R-A-B-O-R-N. A a lot of people have trouble spelling your name. Yeah, it's (laughs) kind of funky. R-A-B-O-R-N Music, all one word. Go there on YouTube, youtube.com slash Rayburn Music, and listen to it. It is Beautiful. Dude, Go ahead, Ray.
0: Thanks for the plug. I totally <laughs> wasn't fishing for that, but thank no, you. <laughs> I know. But I, I have to say that because I love what you're putting out there. Absolutely, you're speaking my language. But you know, it's like I, I, for years I've I've had like songs brewing in me. Yeah, and I would sit down at the keyboard and I would play some of them, and I always thought to myself, Well, I enjoy this and I enjoy doing it, but I thought, eh, I don't know anybody else would really, you know, would really like this, mm-hmm. or I would think to myself. You know, I can't work out all the kinks. It's too much work to work out all the kinks. You know, right. I'm not, I, I can't do it like, I can't just sit down and make it happen. I just, it's just too much work, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so I'd make all these excuses as to why I didn't do it. And then it was just like, you know, lately in the last few months, I just kind of had this thing come over me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to mm-hmm. give myself some time. And if I don't get it perfect, so be it. I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to just and do it for my own enjoyment. Just enjoy doing it. Yeah. And it's been so rewarding to actually mm-hmm. get this stuff out of me mm-hmm. and out there where somebody else can hear it. Yep. And I've been like, you know, Lord, how many other areas have I done that same thing where mm-hmm. because of fear I've not exposed myself? I've done yeah. I've done the Adam and Eve and I've covered myself with fig right. leaves. And I've right. tried to I've tried to hide who God's made me to be. Right. And I think God's saying, take off the stuff, man. Take off all the junk that's trying to cover up who you really are. Take, mm-hmm. take off the stuff that tells you that you're just a sinner saved by grace. Take off the stuff right. that tells you that you know, you're, you're not qualified to, to talk theology with uh, these people or you're not qualified right. to, you know, to give your opinion on something mm-hmm. because you, your opinion isn't good enough. Take mm-hmm. off all that stuff because I've made you qualified. Just like what you said, Steve, you are Christ. Christ is not yeah. Jesus. Christ is Jesus' head and body, us. Yeah. It's a corporate entity. Christ is yeah. a corporate personality that includes us. Mhm. Selah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it's it's there. And and I I want to make this point really clear because we've used this phrase several times and and you know, we've kind of talked about how we don't like the phrase. I want to make this really really crystal clear. God never to my knowledge refers to us as sinners saved by grace. No, never. We are not sinners saved by grace. We are new
0: creations in Christ. Right. We are saved. Period. We were sinners who got yeah. saved by grace.
1: <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Being we saved by sinners. grace ends the we identity are now as a sinner. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Exactly. And yeah, I mean I, uh, Paul talks about this baptism is a symbol of being dead with Christ. And raised with Christ, yes. And so you're you're dead, and you're buried under the water. You're dead to sin. You're raised. I love the phrase he used: raised to walk in newness of life. Yes, it's it is a brand new start. And so you are not what you were. Cleaned up, you are a new creature. You are a new creation. Mm. You're a new identity because the identity that we had, Ray, and this is the this is the part. It continues to, I have trouble getting my brain around this, but I'm more and more convinced of this as we go forward. You and I have talked before about how God did not abandon Adam and Eve when they sinned. Yes. He came after them, and he has continued to relentlessly pursue mankind ever since until he finally came himself and won us back. But here's the thing. We have to not only understand that we are no longer what we were before Christ, but we have to understand that that identity in itself was a lie. Yeah, it was a f- the f- the notion that we were separate from right. God was a
0: lie. It was a false self. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So
1: you know there have been some discussions on our on our Facebook page, uh, and Michael Harden's been real good about interacting with this topic. Uh, it hasn't been there in a few weeks, but um, there was some discussion about Satan. And is Satan a real being or, you know, say what, it almost doesn't matter Mm. what conclusion you draw about who or what Satan is, because the whole point about it is that it's a lie.
0: Yeah. That's Satan, sin, separation from God is all a lie. I mean, it's really like, uh, you know, revelation, I think the very last thing it calls Satan, or one of the main things that calls him in Revelation, which is the last book in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. is the deceiver. Yeah. That he's the deceiver. That that's whatever that means, it's a Mm -hmm. lie.
1: Yeah. Period. Jesus called him the father of lies, which you you could almost take that as a, a phrase, meaning, you know, the daddy of all lies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you
0: know, like the, the biggest lie of all is, <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. Thomas Talbot, <clears throat> who, uh, I've really enjoyed his stuff. I mean, he's just, just an amazing philosopher, but anyway, he, uh, he did some, I linked to it on Facebook a while back, but he did a series of debates with John Piper in written form back in the early oh, 1980s. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, basically, on, uh, not even Calvinism versus Arminianism, but just no. against Calvinism. And then Piper was defending Calvinism. And, of course, um, Thomas Talbot is a Christian universalist. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, he, he had the most interesting insight when it came to that whole thing about, for instance, uh, someone being cast in the lake of fire or someone being annihilated, all these different things. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was talking about, which I just thought, this is so what What a cool, imaginative way to see this
1: mm-hmm.
0: imaginative in the best sense of the word that that was the false self being destroyed, and he used the example yeah. of Saul, uh-huh, and he said every time he said, the reason that I can use the reason I can say this is because I have so much precedent in scripture, mm. Saul on the road to Damascus died, and God changed mm. his name and made a new creation named Paul. Mm -hmm. He did the same thing with Abram. He said, you are no longer Abram. You have ceased to be Abram. You're no longer just this little guy. You're the father of a multitude. You're Abraham. And he he did that with Jacob. He said, you're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. Mm -hmm. You're my chosen. So it's almost like he's saying, he comes to people over and over again through scripture and Mm -hmm. says, the person that you've been living is going to yeah. die today. I'm annihilating yep. them. I'm casting them into the mm-hmm. lake of fire. I'm burning them up. I'm—they're not even going to exist anymore. Everything yeah. old has passed away. The new has come. So much yep. so that in Re- in Revelation, he even says that he gives each of us a new name, which mm-hmm. only we yeah. ourselves know. It's our true self. It's who we yep. really are. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that is such a cool way. Of so many times we want to take everything so literal and we want to, you know, we literalize it to death.
1: <laughs> right. But
0: over and over again, you know, Jesus is using parables. He's he's trying yeah. to awaken our imagi- our imagination to yep. say, look, spiritual truth is not this concrete thing that you can pin down and, and sit on and, you know, glue to the floor. Yeah. It's something that you have to get with the heart, with the imagination, with the spirit. Yeah
1: yeah yeah that's a good way to put it because it, it it and it that puts it in a whole different realm it's uh, and I, I think this is the, the biggest problem with viewing ourselves as sinners that looks at the physical world around us yeah that dwells on what we see you know like I said, I know I know who Steve is. Yeah. I know what Steve's capable of doing. I know what Steve has done. So if I'm talking identity as Steve, that's a very this world centered identity. Yeah. But my identity as Christ and in Christ is something very supernatural. Yeah. It's very much a part of that kingdom that Jesus said is within us. That kingdom that's that's here. We don't see it. We see evidence of it. Yeah. We see manifestation of it, but we don't see it with our physical eyes. Yeah. And so much of scripture is trying to show us what you see with your physical eyes isn't what's real. Mm. It's that's not what. Ma- I'm not talking about. I mean, I'm not trying to get all hyper philosophical and sure. you know Descartes and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, it's what we see with our human eyes deceives us. In fact, there are, it's really fascinating because our brains can get tricked. We can see stuff and be absolutely sure that we're seeing something and not be seeing it. I was reading just a few weeks ago, there was a phenomenon uh, spatially, that, uh, celestially, that, that people thought could never ever happen, and it was only viewable from a small portion of the globe. But there was a lunar eclipse, a complete lunar eclipse, which means the Earth is between the sun and the moon, and the Earth's shadow completely covers the moon. And yet, there was a portion of up to six minutes of time where from a particular point on the globe, one could look in one horizon and see the rising sun, and look in the other horizon and see the complete, total lunar eclipse. Mm. Now, how can that happen? Because if the sun is not, if the earth is not completely between the sun and the moon, you can't have a total eclipse. And if you can see both the sun and the moon, then that would tell you the earth is not completely between them, right? Huh. Wrong. Here's what happens. The atmosphere at our horizon huh. bends the light. Wow. This was so cool. I read this and I was just like, oh my gosh, I never wanted to be a scientist, but this stuff fascinates me. It bends the light in such a way that you can actually see, and this happens every morning for all of us everywhere around the world. When you first see the sun peeping up above the horizon, you're not actually seeing the sun appear above the horizon. You're seeing the bent ray reflecting of the sun about to come over the horizon. Wow. Isn't that wild? Wow. So, Man. And the, the point that I'm making is our brains piece things together that aren't Real, yeah, yeah, we call them optical illusions, yeah, where the brain says it has to be such and such because the eyes are recording these data that add up to only one possible conclusion, and yet that conclusion is wrong
0: well, that's like the um and, and i'm gonna, I'm gonna totally murder this example, but <laughs> You know when they started talk when, about
1: fear of failure
0: there. When they, yeah, really. Is that going to be a self fulfilling no, prophecy? No, Ray. You're or going what? to tell
1: this. You're going to tell this example beautifully. This is
0: going to be incredibly wonderful and probably passed to future posterity because of the clarity with which I will speak.
1: Okay, now it's just BS. Yeah, now on. it's just BS. So anyway,
0: <laughs> but know that um, when you when you read about quantum physics and how they yeah. began in quantum physics. One of the experiments, the most famous experiments they did was um, was where they took electrons, uh-huh. and they it's called the dual slit experiment. They took these two slits uh, right in a wall, and on yep. the they had they had like a wall in the back, and in the front they had a wall with two slits in it. Uh huh. And they would shoot electrons at the slits, and when when, yep. when they would shoot them, and I'm a, like I say, I'm not completely yeah. getting this right, but basically, uh, it would start out, and they would they would have a wave Uh and then other times or they would have like a like a line other times they would have a dot Uh and it would be and they would find that when they would expect one that's what they would get well then when they with here's where it gets really funky they would shoot they would shoot one electron a single electron Mm -hmm. at the wall and they would get an interference pattern on the back wall, which meant that that electron was interfering with itself. Yep. A single electron. Yep. So then they tried something. They started They started shooting. They were shooting the electrons, and basically they found that whatever the observer expected to see, mm-hmm. the electron would actually act <laughs> upon what the observer was expecting yep. to see so that yep. if they expected like a, like an interference pattern or a line or what, I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, Somebody's going to correct me in the comments, but right. but basically that whatever they expected, that electron would change uh-huh. based simply on the perception yep. of the person that was viewing it. So yep. if you were viewing it, expecting to see a line, you'd see a line. If you're expecting to see like a wave, you'd see a wave. Mm -hmm. It was insane. So it was basically Mm -hmm. saying that reality, a lot of reality, is perception. This was a little bit of,
1: of, I think, what Einstein was getting at, too, with the theory of relativity. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. The the whole notion. In fact, there was just something in the news recently uh, where scientists are experimenting with, and it basically is an illusion, but they had, had appeared to make something disappear spatially. And now they've appeared to make time disappear, and it was like I want to say thirty-one thousandths of a second or something. Huh. But basically, what it was was again—you know—the laws of physics said this had to be X, Y, Z, and by tweaking something and setting up certain conditions, they were able to make it behave differently. Wow! And and so suddenly it didn't follow the linear time pattern that they were expecting, and and it—you know—when so you start. Even delving into some of that stuff at a surface level, you begin to realize the complexity of what we consider reality. Yeah, yeah. And you begin to understand, as Einstein said, it's all relative, you know. Exactly. It's not exactly what we think it is. And that's why I really believe that what we, you know, as Paul said, if you set your mind on things above, if you say, I am Christ... I am walking in Christ, I am living in Christ, Christ is living in me, therefore I'm not going to do the things that are not of Christ. If you take that identity on and you stay focused on that identity, you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. Mm, mm. But if you tell yourself, I am a sinner saved by grace, I am a sinner saved by grace, you are taking on the identity of a sinner. Yeah, You are not reckoning yourself dead to sin. Exactly.
0: Exactly, And so you so change a your reality,
1: prophecy. you change your experience by your expectation and your perception of what that reality is. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: And right, I'll tell you, it works. Yeah. It yeah. is absolutely true. I experience it in my life all the time. And, and I have, Christy and I have talked about this so much because... We took this approach and applied it to our marriage and I've shared this on the podcast before. That people wanted to tell us marriage is rough. Marriage is difficult. Any relationship has friction, any relationship has fighting and argumenting arguing, argumentation, you know, all this kind of stuff. All these negative things that people were telling us, you're gonna experience this. And we said we did our own thought experiment. We said, What if We didn't focus on that possibility. Mm. But what if we focused on the possibility that this is us together. Mm. God has brought us together, therefore we really are one. And anything that comes at us does not pit us against each other, but it's us together against that problem. Mm. And every time we approach problems that way, Ray, we are successful. Yeah. Every time we take that perspective, there is not an ounce of tension between us. There's not an ounce of frustration between us. We don't look at each other and say, why can't you think such and such or do such and such? But I guarantee you, if I drop that guard down and I say, "Hmm, I don't know if my wife really loves me that much. Mm. I, you know, I wonder if maybe she's thinking X, Y, Z. Instantly, there are problems.
0: Or, you know, like, I, will, I don't know if she really has my best interest at heart, so I need to have my right. best interest at heart. So
1: I need to look out for myself. Exactly. exactly. But when I implicitly trust my wife and say, I don't, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, I'm going to trust her. Yeah,
0: yeah. Then she's trustworthy. Yeah, that's it, Steve. And, and the thing is, is some people are going to hear, some people will hear what we say as being perfectionistic. Like, Right, you know, exactly. Like that's why I say there's that resistance to it. You've yeah. got to just strain to be yeah. better <laughs> and that. If you no. don't, you're a failure. No, it's actually no. the exact opposite. It's it so is. the opposite because what you're basically saying is, I'm going to believe that what God says about me and who he says I am is truer right. than what the world tells me about myself. And by doing that, even when i fulfill what the world tells me uh you know you're you're a screw up so you're going to mm-hmm. screw up even when i do that instead of it changing my identity i yeah. begin to see it as foreign to who i am it's almost like right i imagine like a i imagine like a dignitary you know like imagine queen elizabeth mm-hmm. i mean if queen elizabeth walked into my bathroom you know <laughs> she would probably be like this is so foreign to who i am i'm used mm-hmm. to having much nicer uh fixtures, a much right. nicer throne to sit on. But <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of rim shot there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I am, I am so used to having, you yeah. know, everything be so luxurious. This is beneath me. Right. Versus what we do now is we go into Queen Elizabeth's loo <laughs> and we begin to see these nice fixtures and all these things. We go, gosh, I don't even know how to behave. This is right. so not who I am. Yeah. When what we're really supposed to be poop doing in this thing. <laughs> is, yeah, I shouldn't poop in here. I should drink out of it. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like we have so <laughs> turned the tables on who God created us to be. Yes, He's yes. saying, no, you are worthy. No, yeah. you are love. No, you, this this is who you are. And I'm not talking yeah. prosperity gospel stuff. I'm not talking any of that. I'm talking no, about no. simply it's, it's just who resting you in who God yep. has made you to be, that you yep. can relax into your own skin and yeah. realize that that's where God puts you. Yep. When you yep. can get that, then all of a sudden, sin doesn't become an issue. No. Missing the mark doesn't become an issue because mm-hmm. you realize I'm fully loved, so I'm just going to live out of my center. I'm going to live out of who God has made me to be, mm-hmm. and so be it. Mm-hmm. That's yep. peace, man. That's peace.
1: And and I believe that's exactly what God has been asking us to do all along. He's just yeah. saying, will you trust me? Yeah.
0: That's it. You know,
1: I mean, I, I say this to my kids, too, and again, i use Hannah as an example. She's... She, She's at that age where she knows everything, you know? So yeah. she, she'll say, you know, like, Daddy, I want to watch such and such on TV. I'll say, Sweetie that show's not on right now. Yes, it is. I go, Sweetie, it's not. I I know that show's not on right now. Yes, it is. I'm like, Hannah, would you just trust Daddy? I mean, she doesn't. She doesn't mm-hmm. think I know what I'm talking about. I know that show's not on. I just looked at the T V guide or whatever. God is saying to us, will you just trust me? Uh, will you believe it, man. and live like what I'm telling you is true?
0: Because it is. So that's what we've, ever since the garden, mm-hmm. you know, what he asked us to do is to live naked before him, Yeah, to live only in the identity that he's given us, to only live in our own skin. Yep. And instead we went and bought designer jeans and we went yeah. and bought, you know, uh, designer clothes and we went and bought nice shoes and you Mm -hmm. know we we stood in line for eight hours so we could get the newest air jordans you know okay most of us didn't but there was a few (laughs) people out there i'm sure that did rip the door off the shopping mall and trampled over someone (laughs) to get my new pepper spray and spray pepper spray in their face (laughs) you know it's like we've done all these things to really cover up who we are so that we can we can convince society and ourselves that we're really something other than who god made us to be Mm -hmm. And if we can totally strip down and say, I'm going to only be who God's made me to be, and I'm going to feel completely worthy no matter who rejects me, I'm going to feel completely accepted no matter who thinks I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. If we can get to that point, then to me, that's where the peace is. That's where the rest is. That's where you can sense God's love and simply... It doesn't matter who likes you. It doesn't matter who doesn't like you. It doesn't matter who thinks you're smart or stupid or, mm-hmm. or ugly mm-hmm. or pretty. That you live out of your center, which is Christ in you, period. Right.
1: That's and where just the life is. to be clear to uh, our listeners who may not understand our accent, Ray is saying center, C E N. Center. Yes, thank you. Not center, S I N. We live in our center. We live, we live right, in our, in our center. right in the <laughs> middle of our center.
0: <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that T for me. Yeah, right. Us Appalachian Center. boys have a hard time with
1: yeah. T's. <laughs> you know, as you're talking about this, Ray, I, I want to give one more example that people might be able to grasp. Sure. And uh, most of our listeners may be familiar with this news story. Um, about, um, five, was it five years ago that... Uh, There was an American girl in Aruba named Natalie Holloway who disappeared. And everybody eventually assumed that she had been murdered or that there had been some kind of foul play. Uh, Seven years ago, I think it's been. It's been a long time, actually. Um, There was a gentleman, uh, and I'll use that term rather loosely, (laughs) uh, from the Netherlands named Joran Vandersloot, who became sort of the primary suspect in that. And again, most of you are probably familiar with this story. He was detained a couple times, questioned, suspected, but never charged with anything, seemed to get get, get away with it, assuming that he did actually murder her. Nobody really knows. But anyway, it turns out that he then suddenly becomes accused of murdering a girl in Peru. And the story that has been constructed is that she found something on his computer related to the situation with Natalie Holloway's death and either confronted him with it or he found out that she found out this information on his computer or whatever, and he killed her. Mm. Took her credit cards and money, ran to Chile, was arrested in Chile a couple days later, and now recently... Couple years after that effect, I think, has admitted to murdering this Peruvian girl. Here's here's the point I'm trying to get at with all that background. In an effort to continue to try to convince the world that he was not a murderer, he murdered someone. Wow. Wow. Mm. He has spent years trying to convince people that he was not a murderer. Mm. And by focusing his life wow. on that endeavor, he has now admitted, not to the to the murder of Natalie Holloway, but at least he has admitted now to murdering this Peruvian girl. Wow. Wow. What you focus on is going to be what you become. Wow. Mm. And if you try to tell yourself, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a sinner, I'm not going to hit that bump in the road, I'm not going to hit that bump in the road, you're gonna hit it. You're gonna be a sinner. You're gonna live a life of sin. Mm. So let's let's get rid of this crap of we're sinners saved by grace. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We were perceiving ourselves to be in an identity of separate from God, living a life of sin. God comes along and says, No more, you're brand new creation, you are righteous. We need to quit reading picture books of pink elephants if we want to quit thinking that's of right. pink elephants. And I had succeeded in forgetting about the pink elephant until you brought it up again. See? Thank you. Perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. So in Christ, we are all pink elephants. No, uh, that's yeah. not the, <laughs> I, I, Hey, you I can be pink if a, you
0: want to, I, Steve. I'll be an orange elephant. I'm more of an orange guy large.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we haven't dragged this out too long for our listeners' taste. But I, I just, you know, I almost feel like we can't say it enough. right really. Yeah,
0: I'm with you, brother. I'm
1: with you. This message has gotten buried in literally centuries. Yeah, of false teachings by right, the church. That's right. That's and right. and I, I, false teaching sounds like a strong word too. I mean it as strongly as it sounds. It's true, man. The, the the religion that we call Christianity
0: has lied to people for years. Well, it's just so ironic because Jesus came to rescue us from a religion. And in his name, we've resurrected the whole concept of religion and created this new shame management, sin management system that we call Christianity. Yeah. yeah. And it's a shame because it's the exact opposite of what he was here for. Yep. He came to set us free. Yep. That's it, man. That's it. And he said, if
1: I set you free... You're free. That's it. That's it. I mean, hmm. it's, there's nothing more to say about that. That's we it. are free. And I, I just want to encourage every listener to this podcast to check what identity you're living by. You know, check the name on your driver's license. <laughs> See who you think you are. Yeah. Because I bet for most of our listeners and definitely for most of the people in this world who are following the religion of Christianity, they're living by the wrong identity. mm because they've they've been told wrong. Yeah. That it's not, nothing they're that they're doing on purpose and it's not their fault. Right. But you got you've been lied to. Yeah. You've been told that you're something that you're not. And and we're here to set the record straight. Because God set it straight for us. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: Hmm. Good so stuff. Go and sin no more. Good stuff. Good stuff.
1: Man. Well, Ray. Despite the technical difficulties,
0: we've had a great discussion. (laughs) It's been a multi... Hopefully the listeners won't realize quite as much as we have. It's been a multiple part discussion interrupted by technical difficulties and crying babies. And crying children.
1: It's so funny because it's so challenging to have to interrupt yourself. And then go back and pick up right where you left off. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it'll it'll feel seamless. Hopefully it's rather seamless, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for listening, guys. You know, most of you that voted online have said you just prefer one long, unedited episode. Well, edited for technical difficulties here, but... uh, not split up into multiple episodes. So we're going to, we're going to give that to you. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, you, you made your bed now. No, <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, you, you can, all, this is why God invented iPods with pause
0: buttons. You've made your three uh, hour bed. Now sleep in it. <laughs> You want long podcasts, we'll give you we'll a We'll give it to pod- you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this one might actually be close to over two hours. I'm not sure with the different files. That Who knows? But, yeah, I have no idea how long we've been talking. But uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening to us. Uh, it's it's so great to have you guys along for the ride. And I so appreciate, and I know Ray does too, the companionship that we feel from you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, out there listening and chatting with us on Facebook and emails and Phone calls. Uh, So, Ray, let's go down the list of ways people can reach us. Uh, There's the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash beyond the box. If you're on Facebook, please swing over to that page. And uh, I actually get the impression, Ray, I'm not sure about this, but it seems that you can comment on that page without even liking it first. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not sure. uh, You know, we get these notifications that people like the page, and it's after they've already commented on stuff. So huh. I don't know, you know. But anyway, come on over, like the page, and uh, join in the discussion. Uh, start a discussion if you want. Anybody's yeah. free to post. We're not limiting who posts on that wall, and you can see what everybody else posts on that there wall. There are no
0: hall monitors at facebook.com slash Box.
1: I like that, no hall monitors. I <laughs> need to work that in as a tagline somewhere. There's no hall monitors on our theology. Oh. Um, <laughs> And then there's uh, Twitter, which we don't use a whole lot for dialogue, uh, but it'll at least notify you when a new, post, a new episode is posted. That's twitter.com btbpodcast. Btb, of course, short for Beyond the Box. Um, and you can email us if you'd like to. My email is steve at beyondtheboxpodcast.com. And Ray's email is Ray, R-A-Y, at beyondtheboxpodcast.com. That's probably why a lot of people have trouble spelling your first name, because you go by Ray, R-A-Y, but then your name doesn't But there's y no
0: Y in, in my name. Yeah, it's pretty there's crazy. No Y
1: in it, yeah. Um, but Ray at com. if you want to email him. If you want to email both of us together, uh, you can do that at box beyondthebox at beyondtheboxpodcast.com or... Just go to our website, which is beyondtheboxpodcast.com, <laughs> go to the Contact Us page, fill out the form, click send, and we'll get an email from you there uh, and can correspond with you. Uh, folks, bear with us if we don't respond right away. We, yeah. we actually have been getting an increase of communication, which we like. We're not complaining about that in the least. But uh, sometimes that means that some messages do get kind of slipped through the cracks there. It's nothing personal. Yeah, definitely. uh, But we we hope you guys will bear with us if we miss your message or don't quite get back to you right away. Um, So let's see. I think I've covered everything but the phone number, Ray, haven't I?
0: And if you'd like to call us. you can call 86753 oh sorry 7, okay, 9, wait, wait, yeah, wait. Right, right, sorry okay wait sorry sorry that was the wrong no, side. don't okay. call that number. you can yeah. call <laughs> us at 62624 no box yes folks that's 6262466269 or you can go to beyondtheboxpodcast.com, look on the right-hand side of the page, and you'll see this wonderful, nice little call me widget that you can click. Upon don't call clicking, us widget. <laughs> please don't call us widget. Don't call me Shirley. You can click on that beautiful widget. It will ask you for your name. At that time, you can select your own name, or if there's a name you've always wanted to go by, you can put that one in, too. Also, type in that handy-dandy little phone number of yours, and then click Connect, and guess what? Guess what? This is exciting, folks. Our answering service will actually call, call you, you back. How stinking cool is that? You can Thanks leave an audio comment. You can leave an idea submission. We'll play that idea submission on our podcast. You can become part of the show. How stinking many cool opportunities are we giving you this evening at 1.52 in the morning? That's right. But wait, there's more, wait, Ray. Because call for, within the next 2012,
1: minutes. listen, I'll, I'll tell you what, we're going to do this. And Ray <laughs> doesn't even know I'm going to do this, but I'm, I'm sure he'll approve. Anybody that calls us and leaves a voicemail this year, during the entire year of 2012,
0: 2012... people, listen up. ...can
1: get every episode of Beyond the Box for free.
0: Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Everyone. Steve, you didn't approve that with me.
1: How much would you pay for that, Ray?
0: Steve, I would expect to pay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Every episode is free, but you got to call now. Steve, time over the next twelve. Months. I would
0: expect to pay one ninety nine ninety five for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but no, we've marked it down, Ray, and it's not even sixty nine ninety five. Not thirty nine ninety five. It's not even nineteen ninety five. It's
0: free, but you have to do it F- in twenty twelve. Because e guess what, free. people. 2012 is the end of the world, and there will be no 2013. (laughs) It's only good until the Mayan Apocalypse. (laughs) There will be no 2013.
1: Oh, my gosh. we got to end this. We are too punchy. We are too punchy. Oh, my gosh. Guys, thanks so much for putting up with, I mean, listening to us. Uh, It's always fun to have you on board. The roller coaster is about to come. Join us next time on Beyond the Box. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Just sakes of love.